Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne, although, as you know, she's not here at the moment. And this is Inside Exec. Today, we've got a guest with us. That's Gary Ross. He's joining us from Chicago. Gary is going to talk to us about a topic that we've mentioned hundreds of times, probably thousands of times on the podcast over the years, and that's communications. We've never actually had someone who is a communications trainer come and talk to us. So we thought it was about time that we did that. And I'm hoping that we will find that we haven't been doing too many things wrong in our time over the podcast and just generally in communications. Welcome, Gary. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. Uh, we're not here to be the communications police or anything like that. So nobody Beautiful. has anything to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, let me introduce Gary to you. By way of background, Gary is a communications trainer, coach and consultant. His recent engagements have included a communications training program with proprietary e-learning for professional services company, as well as consulting and coaching CEOs, C-level executives and internal communication teams on corporate transformations and integrations and change communications. His experience reaches from the upper ranks of the Fortune 500 to small nonprofits in industries including healthcare, technology, manufacturing, consumer products, industrial products, food and beverage, hospitality, and academia. So I think he's probably covered everyone who's listening today. And it's a, a wonderful wide background to be able to overlay the communications issues that we all face day to day and week to week within our working lives. We did send Gary some questions, but before we move on to those, Gary, is there anything that you'd like to add in terms of your background that's important for us to know first? <laughs> you know, I, I began my career uh, way, way back as a journalist in television and, and radio. And it's amazing how the lessons that I learned in that in that profession and in training for that still apply to what I do today and, and what I help people do today as well in terms of, of storytelling, consolidating information uh, that's that could be complex into some simple terms and being a quick study on, on some things too. So the things have come full circle, which is, uh, which is pretty cool, but it's also given me, I think a, a unique perspective to, to help people as well. Just on that, Gary, before we go into the communications, it's interesting that you would talk about what you learned in your very early career. We do have listeners who are just starting out on corporate careers and there is a sense of urgency that they need to learn everything quickly and need to, to move on and, and the things that, that they have to do these days or they have to learn, I guess like when we learn anything new, are not as important as moving up the ladder. So it's nice to hear someone say the stuff that I learned early on is the stuff that I still use because that I think Fuliana and I have talked about that before. So the things that we learned in a very strict environment when we first started working have given us a discipline that we continue, that we we are almost fall back on as part of the backbone of how we work and what we do. Our message to those of you who are just starting out is learn the basics, learn it slowly, learn it carefully, remember it and use it uh, ongoing because it's not just Fuliana and I that are saying it. You've heard it from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, and it's it's cumulative. Uh, yeah. you, you learn these things and and that helps you learn other things. And that in turn helps you learn other things. And then you become, you, you've got this broad set of experience. You wake up one day and you, you find that you have this broad set of experience 
that really allows you to to look at challenges from different perspectives. It gives you examples of things that worked in the past that maybe didn't work in the past. So learn from mistakes as well as as successes. And it helps you to be that well-rounded leader and also a good trusted advisor for for peers, for for people who are uh, above you, perhaps a CEO, if you're not the CEO, uh, and also for members of your team as well. So you use that op- you use that experience and those opportunities for yourself, but also for for those you work with. So you add value really on a daily basis every time you work and encounter with somebody. As I I warned you, I, I will go off topic or. or... <laughs> I'll veer a little bit from the, the straight questions. But just as you say that, it occurs to me how often we hesitate when we've had the experience of saying, in my day, it was done this way. Or <laughs> I remember when this, or it used to be like this. How do we get around the internal block that says, no, don't say that because it'll just sound like you're the old person in the office who just knows everything? Yeah, I hate sounding like the old, like the the old guy, but there's something to the cliche of the more things change, the more things stay the same. Stay the same. And yeah, and and I look back, for example, so people have have asked me, and and I've I've talked a little bit about how communicating in this remote world, in this hybrid world of working, now uh, is is different or needs to be different than it than it was before. And unless I'm totally missing something, which I, I might be, but you know, it's, it's, we're still relating to the same people and speaking with the same people and having relationships with the same people that we were before this all started. The means of that communication are different. So that means tactically, we might have to do some things that are a little more intentional instead of walking down a hallway and, popping in to see somebody, maybe I need to be on a, learn how to use an instant messaging channel or have regular video calls with people or, or whatnot. But the relationship building, the core of that skill, that, that uh, the importance of that still remains, that hasn't gone anywhere. Mm. And I I think back to a project I worked on for a a client a couple of, it's about a year and a half ago now, actually. And this was probably the best team I had ever worked with on a particular project. Whoever it was who assembled us did a, did a great job in not only having us have complementary skills, but we worked well together. We were supportive. We challenged each other in the right way. We built personal connections. We knew about each other's lives. All of those things that that make that a good working team. We never met each other in person. Yeah. Not once. Yeah over a year and a half. And we were all in, in different, it was all US-based, but we were hundreds of miles, kilometers apart. And, and but it was one of the, to, to this day, it was one of the best teams I've ever worked on, if not the best team that I ever worked on. And it was entirely remote. And it wasn't because I, I knew how to do a video call well, or the meetings happen to be scheduled at the right time. Sure, that helps. And that's, that's very important. Don't minimize that. But we were just, we were a great team. We had great relationships. We formed a great um, working relationship, that working rhythm, you know, all those things that when you've experienced being on a great team, you have. And we were entirely remote. So I, I, I don't entirely buy the, 
the whole, well, things are different now because we're remote and, and yeah. we're hybrid yeah. thing. I think the, the basics of communication and relationship building, there's, they're still there. We do have to be more disciplined about how we open those channels of communication because yes, the technology and the tactics are different. So it's a long way of saying the more things change, the more things remain the same. That's an yeah. example. In that instance, do you think that some of the, that connection happened because you knew there was no alternative, that, that there was no chance that you would meet or come together physically. So you had to focus on the fact that you had to make it work with technology. That's a good question. I, that didn't really occur to me that way. I don't feel like we did those things because we were remote. I would say that I think a lot of the same things would have happened if we were yep. meeting it, you know, a few times yep. a week in a conference room. Was there any push or any urging to meet physically at some point? I, you know, I, I had an opportunity actually to meet somebody, but it was after the project ended. Yeah. It was about six months after the the project ended. And this was the person who's geographically closest to me. We live about two, two and a half hours apart. And so we met in the middle uh, right before the holidays for, um, for lunch. Just because it would have been because it was great to meet and we thought yeah. it would be terrific to meet. That was the only time and the only person I met. But again, that was six weeks or about, it was about six months after the project yeah. had ended. But yeah, there was no we never felt the need to yeah. say or that, OK, for this thing, thing, thing to be successful, we have to figure out a time to get together. That never happened. So then the team that, that got brought together in terms of communication, you obviously made the connections. You knew what everyone individually was doing. And there was a, a level of respect for those individual roles. Do you think that it is easier to assign that respect to those roles when you don't meet in person? Hmm. That's also an interesting question that I hadn't thought of. Is it, do you have that anonymity or do you know that sense of you're one step removed so you can be a little more emotive than you would be in person? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think back on, the way that I worked with that team and some of the things that I'm, I, I think I probably would have said most of those things in person. I, I don't know if I could speak for everybody else on that team, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think, you know, the, the, the thing, the, the big thing that came through, and I think this is an important again in, in any team or in any piece of communication is empathy. And we were, we all made sure that we, this was, this was a, a high intensity, high visibility project, very, a lot of time pressure to it, a lot of outside uh, political pressure from other parts of the organization, so to speak, to do things in a certain way. And so we were all under different types of pressure, all at different points of the, of the project. And we were all conscious of, of being empathetic to when each person was in the hot seat, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think that still would have happened if we were, if we were in person, but it does for, for folks like me who are probably a little more introverted by nature, does the barrier quote unquote of, of remote or technology or of distance, does that make it easier to do that? I'd have to think about that. I don't know. I think I would have done the same. Let us get on to the questions that we actually said. You're going to give me a lot. You're going to give me a lot to think about after this, after this interview. I may have, I may have to get back to you. It's you, you it's might have some to answered. Yeah. yeah. Right. So let us get on to the questions. And I'll be in such trouble from Fuliana because she's usually the one that goes off on the other tack altogether. She'll be very happy that I've taken on her role. All right. <laughs> so 
So the first question we sent to you, Gary, was what is the most common form of inter-organisation? And by that I meant internal organisation communication at present, given that we know that we don't always see it physically anymore. Right. Uh, you know, it, it it does, I think, still come in various forms of, of writing. Okay. And because of the rise of, of social media, things like Twitter and also some instant messaging applications, we're communicating now in, in these short bursts. And sometimes it's just in the short burst, or sometimes if it's in an email, it's a series of short bursts. Or when you write an email now, it you almost have to write it as a series of short bursts. Gone are the days where you can write a four or five sentence paragraph and expect anybody to actually read it, read it. <laughs> um, or let alone two or three of those. So I'm I'm finding myself these days, uh, my, my emails are more, my paragraphs and emails are, are one or two sentences long, or I'm bullet points, or I'm numbering things, because that's how people read these days. And uh, because we're, and, and, and that happens because we're, we're starting to get used to these short bursts of communication, but also we're being bombarded with, with so many things that a lot of the ways we, we go through our communication, we're literally just either with our thumbs on a mobile device or, or with a mouse on a computer, we're just scrolling through a series of communications. So a lot of what we, a lot of what we do and say needs to capture some attention pretty immediately for people to notice it as they're scrolling through or as they're receiving different pieces of, of, um, of communication throughout their day. So that gets us to thinking about things like subject lines and in, in emails or the first things that we say in, in an instant message or in a, in a text message. So instead of beginning an email with a subject line that says update or question, the subject of the email uh, or, or, or the, the the topic of the email rather has to get elevated into that subject line. And there, we also have to think about what's going to make that subject line compelling enough for somebody to stop that scrolling. So they'll actually open it up and read it. And then when they do open it up again, it has to be in those, in those short bursts. So most of it is, is writing the, the issue that, uh, that, that I hear from, from clients. And then I, that I work with a lot of in my training now too, is, some of that writing is not appearing very professional for people and companies aren't pleased at the way their people are showing up as they're writing in these, in these short bursts, they're using a lot of text lingo, little acronyms, LOL, those sorts of things. When, if you've got an existing and rather informal relationship with somebody, that's, that's one thing, but Sometimes in client communication or in sales communication, those things, those things don't belong. And sometimes people have a, an issue understanding when and where that belongs. So that's some of what I, I, I cover in, in my training is helping people communicate professionally and show up professionally and, and understand the tone when we've only got a few words and really a few seconds to convey that tone. Time for a break in our discussion with Gary Ross about communication Join me for part two. For now, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. <laughs> 